0: What's up, ambitious listeners? So this week's episode is a really fun one. Following the Carolina Hurricanes New York Rangers series, it split up one of my friendships with my buddy Josh Bartosik from Penn State University, another student in the Belisario College of Communications, and one of the biggest hockey guys I know. It split our friendship a little bit. He's a Carolina Hurricanes fan. I was pulling for the New York Rangers. So upon the conclusion of the series, we sat down to recap the series, talk about the rise of the New York Rangers talk about a little college baseball. Talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, Penn State, and the Lions. Pittsburgh Pirates. We covered all our bases in this one, and that means I mean that with no pun pun intended. Sheesh, that's a mouthful. Regardless, it was a great conversation. Great to sit down with Josh and kind of take a lot of the conversation we have at school onto the mic and onto Ambitious with Dylan Price, which is presented by Liquid IV, and that episode is coming at you after a quick word from them. It is officially summer, and as the temps get hotter and the sun burns brighter, you're going to need to stay hydrated. You're going to need to keep that energy up to enjoy all the hours of sunshine provided throughout your summer, and the best way to stay hydrated and maintain that energy and focus is with Liquid IV, the one-stop shop for hydration, energy, and all that good stuff you can get with these supplements, my favorite Flavors are passion fruit and lemon ginger. I've always loved those. I know I've been giving out some of my Liquid IV flavors to some of my friends as well, getting them to sample it as well. They've tried the peach flavor or the pear flavor, I think it is. It, it was fantastic. I tried it myself. Great flavor. Liquid IV just keeps coming out with innovative flavors. They are wherever you look at this point. I remember when they started on this podcast, it was just liquidiv.com or check out Liquid IV socials. Nope. Whatever store you go to, pretty much at this point, Liquid IV is there. Liquid IV is a fantastic supplement as I mentioned for hydration, refuel your energy, and do it in a healthy manner. All you have to do is pop one of these packets in with a water and get on with your day. Liquid IV is a fantastic product that I drink on the regular and I could not recommend it enough. So please check out Liquid IV in your local stores as well as liquidiv.com. That's liquidiv.com and now back to the show. What is up and welcome to Ambitious. I am Dylan Price, and right now I am joined alongside a fellow Penn Stater. He is also a member of Com Radio with myself. We do a lot of broadcasting stuff there, broadcasting hockey games, which is what he's been really the best at. He is the hockey aficionado, and that's why he's on this show today, specifically because he's so educated in hockey that I had to have him on the show and to talk about hockey and really to explain the X's and O's of why his Carolina Hurricanes lost to the New York Rangers. So um, my guest today is Josh Bartosik. He is also a rising sophomore at Penn State University and uh, a very talented broadcaster, very talented writer, and going to be a beast in the media field. So I'll give him those credentials before I tear apart his Carolina Hurricanes. So really, that's that's the gist of why this episode came to be is the infamous series between our two teams that the New York Rangers came out on top of. So let's explain the X's and O's. Why did the Carolina Hurricanes lose in the semifinals of the Eastern Conference?
1: Well, first, I'd just like to say thank you for, you know, lifting me up and then immediately dragging me back <laughs> down with those comments. But, uh, you know, it's pretty simple. You look at a couple of things here, and the main one that that starts out, you can just be kind of basic. The Rangers wanted this series more. It was so clear. They played a fantastic game one. They ended up unfortunately losing because of the last minute goal by Spashnaho and the unlucky goal in overtime in that game. But New York could have easily won this series in five or six games. And the main faction besides Carolina not winning a single game in these entire postseason on the road was special teams, which have been crucial for both of these teams, especially down the stretch. New York's power play – is up there at about 33 or 34%. They just scored another power play goal last night against Tampa in their 6-2 winning game one. They've now scored a power play goal in six straight games, just unheard of in the playoffs, because you were playing, at one point, the top pen, the Carolina Hurricanes had the top penalty kill in the regular season uh, in the league, and then Tampa's not too shabby themselves. They're just an absolute machine normally. So you come in, New York is absolutely dominant on the power play. Scored a goal in each of the last four games. It became absolutely crucial. And Carolina's power play in the last three months went 12 for 122, which is just not going to cut it. They had a 13.5% power play in the playoffs. And it's really been a killer for that team every year. Carolina is the same story the last couple of years. I've talked about this before. Uh, our Penn State sports Night things that we all know Jacob Cheris. loved that man. He's uh, a... <laughs> Been a little rude lately, but <laughs> I was talking with them and we were pointing out the fact that every year Carolina, their big guys don't sit up, step, step up like Aho and Sveshnikov. They were non existent in the series besides game one. And then the special team just falls apart. The power play has been abysmal. The penalty kill was at 72%, which is just not acceptable. And obviously, there were injuries. You know, Auntie Ranta came out. He said he had a neck sprain and an MCL tear, but that was in game seven. And so this is a team that had two series leads. They had a 2-0 series lead and a 3-2 series lead, and you couldn't close it down on the road. And you have to give props to the Rangers. No one thought they'd be here. No one thought they'd make it competitive, at least for now, against Tampa. I mean, they absolutely blew them out of the water. That line with, with uh, Kako, Lafreniere, and Hedl has just absolutely been phenomenal. Heedle got another two goals last night. He's clearly been one of the stars of these playoffs. Besides, you know, the main guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and McKinnon. So, the Rangers are riding a very big high right now. They have home ice advantage in this series, which would be crucial in my opinion, because MSG is really just a place that rocks, especially come playoff time. And so, I hate to admit it because I've just, I can't stand uh, New York, specifically because a lot of New Yorkers moved down North Carolina. and There was a lot of blue in those uh, normally red games, but I have to admit, this is a very fun team to watch. This was a team that I was concerned about. As a fan of a team in the Metro division, I was concerned about this team when they played in the bubble. Because, again, they're a young team. They remind me earlier, they remind me of the Carolina Hurricanes from 2019 that were a younger team. They were hungry and no one thought they'd make it very far. And now they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. But they've got so much star power. And Panarin hasn't even been doing that hot. He did have a goal in Game 1. But he was virtually non-existent in the series against Carolina. You had other guys stepping up. So when you have your your lower guys, your mid tier, your mid six, your bottom six guys producing, you're gonna you're gonna go places. And right now they're doing that. And you were Shasturkin, is just doing Sturkin things. He was phenomenal in Game One, phenomenal in Game Six and Seven against Carolina. And so you've got the high, You've got the two easily best goaltenders left in these playoffs duking it out right now. And if and if the Rangers win that goaltending battle, they can very easily win this series.
0: If you're a fan of hockey, now is really probably the best time. This has really been a fantastic playoffs from start to this point, and it figures to continue to be an exciting playoffs. In the West, it seems like all they can do is score. There really hasn't been a lot of defense. You talk about the 9-6 to game and the kickoff, the Battle of Alberta. Then the absolute thriller the other night, that just was a gun show. But on the other side, it has been the defensive, the goalie matchups. There's been decent scoring, but especially the Kane series with you guys, it was very hard for the Rangers to get anything really going in Carolina. So this is where I'm going to give the respect. Until Game 7 when it seemed like it, they just got hot quick and it the brakes fell off for Carolina. But really, kudos to Carolina for the fact that they were just as hard to beat at home and it got to the point of, all right, somebody's going to have to steal a game here, and New York was able to in the final game. But I, the point I think you made that I agree with about the Rangers specifically is that the best thing going for them right now is that you see the team has probably got the arguably the most momentum of any team left in the playoffs, but really it's that this is such a young team. This is a young nucleus that— and you've said it in a lot of your tweets when you were kind of dogging the Canes for not being able to put up a fight, is that they weren't supposed to be here this year. This is a rebuild that ended up hitting a little sooner than it was supposed to. Yeah, maybe next year this could have been a reasonable expectation, but the team and behind Igor Shosturkin have caught fire and are making a lot of noise and can make a deep run. But I think the Canes' problem was just that you jinxed them when you got a little too cocky and started talking about, oh, we got this, we got this in the bag, hands at four. And then I, I, I think that might have been where it went wrong. That's just my unbiased opinion, you know?
1: I mean, you could be fair. It is, <coughs> there is a lot of jinxing that goes on. But again, a lot of people have the same consensus. And for the New York Rangers, this is a very promising year. And that's, what the, that's why this team is so scary for the future years. and That's why the Metros will going to continue to just be so tough. Mm-hmm. Because Carolina is going to be there for years. Uh, Washington and Pittsburgh are kind of on the downfall, but New Jersey, if they figure out they get the right head coach, they're linked with Barry Trotz. I think he'd be a perfect fit for them. They could go on the uprising, especially now they got that number two pick in this year's draft. They could trade. And, you know, Columbus is still doing kind of nice right now. Depends on what they do with Patrick Line. I know that he's getting near the end of his contracts. could be a little interesting there. But this is a Rangers team. You've got your main guy in Adam Fox on the back end. You've got guys like Ryan Lindgren on the back end. You've got Kako and Lafreniere and Philip Heedle, who, again, these are guys, Barkley Goodrow, who you got, who they got from the Lightning, or I guess they got him in the offseason. And this is also, this is the thing, a lot of people thought that the Rangers were absolutely, had ruined it after the whole Tom Wilson fiasco last year where they fired half of their front office. They fired their, they, fired their coach, which again, David Quinn was near the end of his time, and they've found a perfect replacement. But they fired the majority of the front office, they brought in these guys like Ryan Reeves and Barkley Goodrow on massive contracts, or not necessarily massive contracts, but you know, a lot more than a lot of people expected them to make. A lot of people thought they were, they were through, they thought that they had screwed over their rebuild. Because of the fact that they let go of guys like Pavel Buchnevich, who had a phenomenal playoffs and a phenomenal regular season with the St. Louis Blues, but you look at what Ryan Reeves and Barclay Goodrow have done for the Rangers, and you can, I think you'd rather have a team that's in the Eastern Conference Finals versus a team that lost in the second round. And so this Rangers team is going to be so scary in the future because you have to remember the majority of your of their core is below twenty five. Shostak is below twenty five. Kako and Lafreniere are below there. Adam Fox is below there. Philip Heidel is around the mid, mid to upper 20s Rangers. So this is a group that has done it right. They've absolutely done it right. And that's why it was so... It made sense, given the way that the series was going, that Carolina was going to lose in Game 7. They just they did not put up a whole lot of fight in the for the majority of the series. I mean, the Rangers did a phenomenal job on the back end, which was something that I was concerned about for them coming into the playoffs because... They had probably one of the worst defensive systems and have had the worst defensive system for years now, which is one of the main reasons uh, Henrik Lundqvist, I think, personally never ever got that ring that he so rightfully deserved. But they picked it up in that series and they picked it up last night too against the reigning two-time Stanley Cup champions. This is a very, basically a very scary team. Now you have teams like Carolina who, frankly, they deserved deserved to lose this series. They 100% did. And so now the front office has to go in you have to be like, look, none of our big guys stepped up. We need to go out and get a known, proven guy that can come in and slot in. Maybe a Nazem Kadri or a Sheikh DeBrusk or a Vladimir Tarasenko if he's still up for trade. You got to get those guys that are known playoff performers and who have been there before. Because Carolina is still a very inexperienced team when it comes to playoffs. Yes, they've made it four years in a row, but they keep you know having all this turnover and whatnot. So you have to go. You have to go find those guys that have been proven because clearly the way that they've been running the system for the last few years is just not working. They cannot get back to the Eastern Conference Finals, lost in the second round back to back years, lost in the first round of the bubble. So that's a team that has lost a lot of its path and its direction. Whereas the Rangers are moving in, are moving at godspeed speed in the right direction. And frankly, I would be shocked if they won this series, but. But they, they, the way they pl- they've been playing the last couple of weeks, they definitely deserve it.
0: Well, thank you for stroking my ego about the New York ranker, Rangers, but very pumped that, up for this. Now team. that I said
1: that, Tampa's going to win five games. <laughs> <but> you're welcome.
0: <laughs> Probably. Thank you. I think you're trying to jinx it, but hype for the future about them. I do think once Carolina finds their path, they are one of the most consistent teams in the East at this point in time. So I think their future looks bright as well, as long as, as you said, they maybe can get another star there. So we'll stay in your home state of Carolina there. And let's talk about NC State baseball, which is another kind of knife in the heart. Obviously we both go to Penn State, but a lot of NC State ties for you there. So can you kind of walk the listeners through your reaction? And really, I'm going to ask you to kind of represent the entire state of North Carolina here. Uh, what has been the consensus about How the North Carolina State Wolfpack have been treated now for two years, really?
1: Yeah, so uh, my mom works at NC State, so I've been a big NC State guy growing up, and I'm used to disappointment with NC State. (laughs) It happens every year, but it's normally not in these sort of circumstances. Last year, they the NCAA broke their COVID rule and kicked them out of tournament at two fifteen a.m. That was unbelievably frustrating and unbelievably. Just, it, it was completely unfair, especially because they were 2-0 and in the College World Series at that point. They were 1-1 away from the finals. It was just a whole mess. And so, this year, it, part, of, part of me is torn. Because, through for, for the middle half of this season, NC State baseball was just not good. They were not good. Losing teams like UNC Greensboro and, and Campbell and these other lower-tier D1 schools, which the commission which the 80s did bring up when they said the nc state didn't make the tournament but then you go into the acc tournament and you dominate you lose in the acc championship game by a couple of runs to your rival unc which stings a bit but at that point you were consensus number two seed in the tournament in any in any region and you didn't even get in which is absolutely absurd. you have teams that, yes, I know you have the automatic bids because of teams that win their tournament. That's how it works.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it seemed like Ole Miss, who, yes, had a very similar record and technically won more of their end of year series, that was a team that lost by 22 runs to Tennessee and a team that got absolutely manhandled in the first round of their SEC tournament by Alabama. So a lot of people that were Mississippi State, that were Ole Miss fans as well, excuse me agreed. They didn't think that they should have been the tournament. They thought NC State should have been in the tournament. And for the entire state of North Carolina, I know that can speak for a few schools. Uh, I know that a lot of UNC fans and Duke fans and ECU fans have been, they've been dogging on NC State fans, right? I mean, it's it's just kind of their nature, Mm -hmm. especially UNC fans. You beat them in the ACC championship game, and now you get to watch them get snubbed of a tournament bid. But the consensus is still that they they rightfully deserve to be there. Like they're going to like, yes, your rivals are going to dog on you, but they understand the situation just doesn't make any sense. And it's just heartbreaking for that group. You know, they battled so hard last year. They, you know, get all the way. They beat the number one seed overall in Arkansas to get to the College World Series. They stunned Stanford in game one. They absolutely shocked the world by shutting out Vanderbilt in game two. And then nearly built, beat Vanderbilt in game three with 12 players because of the COVID issue and then just getting tossed aside at 2 a.m. in the morning. It was I still think last year is a lot more difficult for some of those fans, myself included. But I mean, this year is just a shock. It's really a shock. And again, part, again, part of me is torn because the bias in me says that they made the wrong decision. I still think they did make the wrong decision. But based on how NC State played in mid and leading up to the ACC tournament, they got swept by UNC and Wake Forest, you got to win at least a couple of those games to make yourself look more competitive and, you know, flashy and attractive to these athletic directors that make the decision. And so, again, it's, it's just a torn thing. But for NC State, it got worse today because I, I don't know if you saw the news, but uh. Mr. Tommy Tanks, the NCAA freshman new freshman home run leader, uh, entered the transfer portal. Uh, he has said that, yeah, nice fist pump there. That really that really helps my mood. He uh, came out. He's been saying for a while that he wants to play somewhere close to home. But if he could, he would stay at NC State. NC State doesn't give out NIL deals. FSU, Florida State, will certainly give him some big chunk of money. To go play for them and he's been linked to there multiple times so he'd be staying in the acc but playing for a conference rival rival and so you know nc state baseball just keeps getting punched in the face but this is a team that you know they battle through adversity all the time i'm sure they'll be back next year they were a very young group this year their tops their top pitcher sam highfill was injured for the majority of the regular season and you had other guys step up like chris Philliman, and so and so on and so, you know, it, it, de- it was definitely shocking in the moment watching that selection show and seeing them not get in. And especially when you have all the consensus from the entire college baseball nation that they should have been in. It's definitely a shock. You know, you've got all those people that say that NCAA is out to get them. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'm not going to be one of those people that says <laughs> there's, like, some big conspiracy. But it definitely is eye-opening from my perspective, for sure.
0: So all hope's not lost. But I think if you're Rob Cooper and then at the any Lions, I think we should take part of Rob Cooper's salary and give it to Tommy Tanks and get this man in the heart of our lineup with Matt Wood next year, and then give us the chip. Come on, let's do it.
1: I will I will admit it would definitely bring more fans into those very <laughs> empty crowds as long as they put turf on that field.
0: Medler Field at LeBrono Park's not doing it for you? The backdrop is
1: beautiful, but the <laughs> fact that there's like dirt patches everywhere because they refuse to take care of a team that... Just won their first Big Ten tournament game in twelve years.
0: Listen, they the field is beautiful. I'll give you that. The quality of it definitely needs to be enhanced. But I think maybe Penn State's becoming a baseball school. Maybe Rob Cooper's finally putting it all together in year nine. Nine, I think it is. Um year, yeah.
1: He's definitely getting he's definitely getting a little better. This year was shocking. They had some guys, Jay Harry stepped up big yeah. time. Uh Pinzantino had a nice solid year. Matt Wood just dominated Spiegel. everyone. And Travis Lundsman has really come into his own as that number one guy for Penn State. So I think you can see them be a lot more competitive next year. I don't think they're a tournament team yet. Depends on what happens in this offseason with all these new guys coming in, maybe some transfers, Mm -hmm. if that sort of thing happens.
0: But they definitely had their most positive year in recent memory. The future is bright for them. I'll say that. And I think next year would be the year to really make some noise in the Big Ten and try to contend, possibly. But in all seriousness, as much as Rob Cooper takes a lot of flack from the Penn State baseball community, I think, as a whole, Cooper had a fantastic year towards the back half of this year, taking a team that had some egregious losses, like a 12-0 loss to Milwaukee, and turning this team into a legitimate powerhouse contender in that back stretch of the season that maybe was a dark horse favorite for some in the Big Ten tournament. And then they won their first game in, I think it was like 14 years, I think it was about. Mm-hmm. So really a good run for them. So that's the Penn State baseball program having some juices flowing. We'll stay in Pennsylvania for some baseball talk for a second before we go back to Penn State, before we close out here, because I got to pick your brain about Penn State football, because obviously we got to talk about it. But you're – pittsburgh pirates who really i'll say it are typically the laughing stock of major league baseball aside from the cincinnati reds uh just beat the dodgers so uh you can say sweep you can say sweep yeah i'll say sweep i didn't really want to give you that but i'll say sweep um so by that accord are are the pittsburgh pirates the best team in baseball
1: well, obviously, as a
0: unbiased,
1: you know, fan of every team in the league, yes, the Pittsburgh Pirates are the best team They're going to the World Series this year, 100%. But this, was, this is a team that has been catching fire recently, you know, sweeping the Dodgers, been winning a lot of games recently, kind of clawing their way back to 500, not back to the top of the standings because they're still about nine and a half games back of the Brewers and the Cardinals. But... They have kind of a cakewalk of a schedule for most teams, but this is the Pittsburgh Pirates that we're talking mm-hmm. about. They have a three game series against Arizona this coming this weekend. And then two game series against Detroit, which, you know, Detroit's kind of struggling right now. You figure they'd be close to the end of the rebuild. They just haven't figured it out. And then Arizona's Arizona. No one even knows what they're doing at this point. But this is a team that's they're really finding, you know, I think that Key Brian Hayes, especially and Brian Reynolds after The uh, Pirates finally for once shelled out money in their (laughs) pathetic excuse for a franchise. They finally sent out some money to some players. Inky Brian Hayes has been phenomenal. He's hitting around 300. He's not one of those big power bats that a lot of teams like these days, but he's a very good contact guy. He gets on base phenomenally, phenomenal defensively, where Brian Reynolds is more of that power guy. He's got eight home runs this year, and he's been stellar. Uh, wherever you put him in the outfield. And you got guys like Michael Chavis, who the Red Sox gave up on and he's really come in, he's put himself in a very nice spot for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, The main thing with them is going to be how they handle the trade deadline. It's a thing every year with them. They, oh, they undersell their players or they overbuy. Uh, Quintana, I think this year should most likely get shipped out because he's having a phenomenal season so far. If they were smart, you could get a big haul for them because this is a team that has probably the best prospect pool, mm-hmm. if not, or one of the best, if not the best, with guys like Henry Davis and the fact that O'Neal Cruz is still down there at AAA just raking every single day. Is a team with a very bright future, which is not a lot of thing, which is not something that Pirates fans are able to say for the last, was it 50 years <laughs> when <clears throat> since their last uh, World Series? It was in the 70s somewhere, something like that. So Long it's a team we that's <laughs> uh, playing better than everyone thought they were. Granted, they're still 22 and 29, but that's better than a lot of people thought they would be. And, yeah. you know, you have your young guys developing well and continuing to play well. That's the team that in a couple of years could definitely be a team that you could see finally make it to the playoffs, but not just but a team that actually would finally have direction when they make the playoffs. So they've still got a long ways to go. I'm going to ride the high of this Dodgers sweep for, I don't know, when they, when they play an actual opponent next week against the Braves <laughs> later in the week. So I'll keep that high for about five or six days, and then I'll uh, get snapped back to reality. But, uh, no, you know, a lot of people counted them out, but you can never count out the Buckos.
0: Well, I think you can count out the Buckos, but <laughs> as of right now, in all seriousness... I mean, it's weird to say this about a series at the start of June. Uh, We're on June 2nd recording this. But this simple sweep could really be an identity builder for the team and kind of give them that sense of direction you just kind of talked about. Young team and, as you mentioned, shelled out money, which was a rarity for them. Typically, they'd rather pack the players' bags than give them a contract extension. So I think that there actually is a a sign of some kind of direction out there in Pittsburgh. So. Maybe there's some potential. Maybe they can build off this Dodgers sweep, go on a bit of a run here. As you mentioned, a bit of a cakewalk over the next week. And then maybe they've got a lot of firepower and momentum with the Braves. Maybe they can steal a game or two there. So I don't know. There could be some good juices flowing for you there. That might be what's propping you up with uh, the Canes and North Carolina State baseball. Not necessarily doing the job for you. But I'll go to one more team of yours here before we get into Penn State football. We'll talk Pennsylvania football. We'll talk the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just a simple question. Game one, who's under center for the Pittsburgh Steelers?
1: It should be Trubisky, in my opinion. I mean, look, you've heard you've heard all of my rants at State College about how yes. much I dislike Kenny Pickett. I think he is the next Kirk Cousins or Case key. You don't like his tiny hands? Scenario.
0: You're not – the tiny hands aren't doing it for you? It's not even that. It's the <laughs> fact that, like
1: – you see a guy who was very mediocre first, first three years of college, very mediocre. And he comes in and he like doubles his touchdown totals in one season with 40 touchdowns, which is remarkable, yes. Mm-hmm. I can admit that that's fantastic. This also happened to be the one year where there was not a single competitive team in the ACC besides maybe Wake Forest and NC State if you really want to give them that. This was a year that you did not see the normal studs like Clemson come in and just blow everyone away like they normally do. And so he's playing weaker competition. I think it's a big step up. I would love to see him succeed in Pittsburgh. I mean, I'd love to be wrong, but Pittsburgh is known for making bad quarterback moves recently. I mean, Ben Rossberger was a great got, uh a great pickup on the field, off the field. He kind of had all of his issues and whatnot. But yeah, so if you're <laughs> the uh, if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers I think you start Tremise cuz you sign to that contract let him play for a little bit if he starts underperforming because I don't think this team is this team's not at a contention level just yet they made they had a fantastic draft I think George Pickens could be a real nice guy a real nice piece for them
0: I don't know about a nice guy a nice piece maybe
1: he's a, he's good <laughs> and I think you could also see the potential for Chase Claypool to get moved out depending on how well George Pickens plays just because there's been a lot of talk about Claypool's uh character issues, specifically after the whole Minnesota Vikings fiasco. And he just really had an underwhelming second season. I don't I would rather not see him leave because you can only count on Deontay uh dropson, dropson so much. Nice. So I mean, this is a team that is gonna be around the break. They could sneak in like they normally do. Mike Tom is a top three coach in the NFL. I think we can agree on yeah. that. He has taken some really terrible teams. To playoff contention or just below playoff contention, so this is more of a rebuilding year. Trying to see how the defense will shape up. Stephon Tuitt just retired; that's a big hole on the defensive line. That's why you go out and get a guy like Leal who can really slot in there. But it'll be an it'll be an interesting year for Pittsburgh. I think you could probably see Kenny Pickett come in. I think if the Steelers lose two games in a row with Trubisky under center, you'd probably see Kenny Pickett come in, or if you just see one bad game from Trubisky, you might have a very short lease with them. So we'll see. Uh, I would love to see him succeed, but I also will not miss out on laughing at everyone
0: when Kenny Pickett throws 40 interceptions. Well, uh, maybe there's a scenario where Trubisky wins most improved player of the year. Thomas English rolls over and freaks out because Mitch Trubisky ends up becoming a superstar, Steelers go on a run, win a couple rings, and Kenny Pickett's an afterthought. Don't see that being pretty likely, but I don't know. Maybe Kenny Pickett pans out and that team can make some noise this year because really, aside from the quarterback position, that team is really well built to make another playoff run, at least from the outside looking in. But we'll go to Penn State football here before we kind of wind things down. And I guess the biggest story has been the whiteout will not be Ohio State which is very uncommon, uh, to say the least. Pretty much every time they've played Penn State at home since the existence of the Whiteout, they have been the Whiteout game. So Minnesota gets the Whiteout game. Penn State's likely going to be playing a noon, Big Ten noon kickoff game against Ohio State, striped out. So going to be an interesting game. But I guess just to kind of wrap us up here, after 11-11 over the past two years, Not necessarily the most energy coming out of last season where it really felt like that team could have made a run, but injuries and a lot of stuff kind of came to bite them. So this is a younger team, a more, I'd say, hungry team, a gritty team with the returning quarterback who's actually going to have some continuity in the offensive playbook for the first time in his career, having an offensive coordinator in Mike Yurcich who's returning. So... You have to predict this. I'm asking you on June 2nd, what's the record by the end of the regular season?
1: Yeah, so that's definitely an interesting one. I think for Penn State, there's not a whole lot of potential for losses on that schedule, especially with the out-of-conference schedule. Yeah. I do think that going to Auburn will definitely be something to look out for. I know that Bo Nicks left, but... Playing at an SEC school and an SEC stadium is going to be a huge shock for a lot of those guys, especially all those young freshmen. I think we can all agree that Nick Singleton will probably be a prominent starter in the backfield. Yeah. For the Lions, you'll see that, I mean, he'll go from being in front of maybe a couple thousand guys in high school to, you know, 95,000 screaming Southern guys in mm-hmm. uh, Auburn, Alabama. So that's that's a game for me that I would definitely look out for if you're a Penn State fan, just because you could potentially see I don't know if you can call it an upset, but tough loss. it's definitely one to definitely yeah. look on your counter. And be like, alright, this is kind of a big test for this young group to see how they can perform. I think, I think you're probably gonna lose to Michigan on the road. I just don't think you can it's win in the house win in the with house. a team yeah. that's this bad right now. And then Ohio State will be interesting. If it was the wild, I probably have more faith in that in the Penn State team, maybe. But because Fox took the rights and it's gonna be a big noon kickoff, I think Ohio State will run away with that one. Uh, I think you can probably see around a nine and three or an eight and four, depending on what happens with Auburn. I think maybe this is the year that they finally decide to beat Michigan State again. Who knows? But um, it is gonna be at home, so that will be interesting for them. And then got teams like Northwestern and then the actual Ohio State out of conference team. So. That's realistically, I'd say I'd team. Shoot probably around eight and four, nine and three, uh, depending on how they play at Auburn, if they play if they play very well at Auburn, you could definitely see them give Ohio State a scare, maybe not, you know, run away or potentially win the game. But you can see a scare there. Because, you know, week three playing, again, a very tough SEC team with a young team and in a very tough environment, very hostile environment. Again, for a lot of those young guys, it's gonna be very tough. We saw what happened when they went to Iowa last year and Sean Clifford went down and everything went down the drain. You know, there was no communication, no anything. And Iowa, I'll give credit to their fans, they were quite loud, but it's not SEC level loud. Yeah. We know that the SEC is just unreal when it comes to fan atmosphere and just the stadium presence. So that's a big game for me personally watching for Penn State. And again, it, and it really all depends on what Sean Clifford we get. If we get pre-injury or post-injury Sean Clifford for Nittany Lions, you get pre-injury Sean Clifford. This team could make a could you know be very strong. You get post-injury, you could see another seven and five season down the drain. So we'll have to see what happens, but see. certainly a lot of question marks going into this football season.
0: Yeah, a lot of question marks, but maybe some optimism at least not necessarily for this year, but definitely looking down the road. Obviously, Drew Aller and Nick Singleton are the key stories on offense, and then Zaki Wheatley could be a guy who really rose throughout spring camp and maybe a candidate to be one of the top rising defensive players on that team and really just a lot of energy for Penn State as a whole. So it'll be exciting to get us back there in the fall and in the student section for what should be a pretty good season. So my last two questions here, pretty quick ones before we wrap up. I ask every guest who comes on this podcast this, and the first one is, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? What do I
1: want my legacy to be? Yeah. It's a deep question. A good question. Um And that's that's a that's a good question, man. That's a that's a deep brutal one. Uh so I mean, obviously for me, you know, as you mentioned, I'm an to asp- you know, aspiring broadcaster, sports writer, guy like that. I want to be able to make an impact on people if I get to do hockey or whatever sport it may be. I wanna be able to make an impact on people when they're watching the game and be able to bring people that don't necessarily like the game. I want them to end up loving the game with if they listen to me or they read my stuff or anything like that. So a little personal thing. John Forza was a hero of mine growing up just an absolute uh idol for me looking up to he along with my dad helped me get into hockey, especially growing up and he was just phenomenal still is phenomenal. He's the Seattle Kraken play by play guy now because the Canes let him walk unfortunately, but Just the way that he shows his passion in every little facet of the game is just something that, you know, every broadcaster aspires, but you want to be able to broadcast like you're enjoying it. And certainly he was one of those guys that does so. I just really want to be able to make, I want to be able to be one of those guys that, you know, younger people can be like, oh, you know, if I'm listening or I'm watching something, I see this guy on TV, like, I'm going to turn, I'm going to tune in and, you know, I want to hear what they have to say. Because, you know, I look up to them and, you know, they make me want to continue to follow the sport, whatever it may be.
0: That's a very good answer. So now in the complete opposite end of the spectrum, we go from deep to if you could be any kind of boat, what boat would you be and why? Any kind of boat? Any kind of boat. You're a North Carolina boy. This should be a pretty good answer.
1: I'm a North Carolina boy, but I haven't lived in the Outer Banks in God knows how long. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. You know? When it's all said and done, I like going fast and all that stuff. But a nice little pontoon boat never hurt anyone. Just, you know, take a nice little, nice little, uh, gentle stream down the river. You know, not, not anything too hectic. Don't want to, you know, cause any trouble with the neighbors. So, that's Fair a little pontoon boat going slow and steady. You know, never hurt anyone. It's always a fun time.
0: Fair enough. You heard it from a big mouth guy in his own right, Josh Bartosik oh, here. <laughs> big mouth guy. Got gotcha you on that one. Uh, so. Phenomenal broadcaster. Where can all the people find you? Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Twitter, Instagram, where can the people find you? If this is your time. Rolling out the red carpet. Plug your social oh, media. Oh, this is my time? Yes, this is your no, time. Sorry.
1: The sorry. Uh, the, the COVID has been clogging my ears for the past couple of days, so it's a little He's a, a survivor, Uh Twitter, you can find me at uh, Josh underscore Bartosik, uh, B-A-R-T-O-S-I-K. Uh Instagram, you can find me at a uh, That's J E W S H. And then, uh, if you want to see anything that you know I've posted on Comrade, you can go to P. You know, Com Radio. Just search up my name. You can find some articles. You can find our podcast. You know that me and Dylan have done a couple of podcasts for Com Radio on their SoundCloud. And then, uh if you ever want to, you know, see my lovely face again, you always go to Penn State Sports Night and watch me uh, yell at Jacob Cheris for eight to ten
0: minutes every week. So those are always fun. Fair enough. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Josh Bartosik. Thanks for coming on, Josh. Yeah, thanks for having me. My thanks again to Josh for coming on. It was great sitting down with him and chatting it up. Always great to talk to a fellow Penn Stater, and I feel like we covered a lot of great topics throughout the course of this podcast, and kind of continuing that Penn State run we've been on, excluding Mark Villani, the Lion Legacy guys, Tom Hannafin, Anna Camden. It's been a lot of Penn State representation on the pod in recent weeks, and I thank them all for coming on, and I thank you specifically for listening to this podcast and taking the time to sit down with us, and if you'd like to listen to more Ambitious with Dylan Price, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this right now. Now you could also find more episodes, like us, give us a review on Apple Podcasts, download some episodes. All that engagement really helps out the podcast, helps me know that there's a ton of people interacting with the podcast. It's great to see it, and it's great to know that the content is doing well. And if you'd like to look at some other content, check out Instagram, at Ambitious Podcast, and Twitter, Ambitious with Dylan Price. And YouTube is now just Dylan Price. Going to be rolling out a lot of content on there in the coming weeks. I got a highlight reel coming out from some of the work I was doing at Penn State University, actually, as well as some video podcasts coming out over the course of the summer and throughout the fall. So stay tuned for a lot of cool stuff. Thanks again, as always, for hanging out with me for what's about 45 minutes now. And uh, yeah, come back next week for another great episode. A really cool guest coming on next week, a dominant boxer. Some even call him the hammer. So stay tuned for that and talk to you soon.